I'm a grave geek. I love knowing where famous and, and not so famous people are buried. And I found out one day that America's first country music superstar was buried in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Wait, Bridgeport, Connecticut? I'm Davis Donovan, and this is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm on the road from New York to Boston to find stories that will surprise you. They're sometimes odd, hopefully always compelling. And today, the story of Vernon Dalhart. In 1924, Dalhart recorded one of the best-selling tunes of all time, The Prisoner's Song. Oh, I wish I had someone to love me. Prisoner's Song by Vernon Dalhart. It sold seven or eight million copies. At the time, that was just totally unprecedented. And even today, it's in the company of well, some of the other songs that have sold seven or eight million copies include uh, Beat It by Michael Jackson, Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel, and Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Country music historian Bill Malone says the song is also remembered for this. There's that one verse that's one of the most recognizable verses in American music. If I had the wings of an angel, over these prison walls I would fly. I would fly to the arms of my darling, and there I'd be willing to die. And there I'd be willing to die. Malone says at the time, most people outside the South had never heard this sound before. You, you can't overemphasize the impact that Dalhart had on American music. He just revealed to the uh, entertainment trade that the music he was doing had an appeal, that people wanted to hear it. So why don't more people know Vernon Dalhart's name or his impact on American music? Or for that matter, why he's buried in Connecticut? I started my search for answers with the Texas State Historical Association. Music historian Lori Jasinski told me Dalhart didn't start out singing this kind of music. His passion was opera. He would study opera-type styles, and all the while, of course, in summers, he's going to West Texas and working on a ranch. Dalhart wanted to pursue his dreams. He left Texas for New York, and he toured with some opera companies. And then he sang with various record labels, including Thomas Edison's. His career was doing okay. Then Jasinski says Dalhart came to Edison with an idea. He persuades Thomas Edison to let him record basically a country song, or at that time they called them hillbilly tunes. These were tunes that he had heard during his days when he was ranching and heard cowboys singing them, old folk songs. Like The Wreck of the Old 97. When this song started to sell, Dalhart took it to the big label, Victor Records, and hillbilly music soon became the rage. He used his newfound wealth to buy a mansion in Mamaroneck, New York, and settled there. Meanwhile, record producers scoured the South to find singers with authentic country twangs. Historian Bill Malone says, on the other hand, Dalhart had this opera quality to his voice. It was hard for Dalhart to uh, compete 
with these new entertainers. Compared to them, they seem artificial and uh, stilted and uh, a little bit condescending, perhaps. Dalhart's record sales slowed. He lost a lot of money in the Depression. He sold his mansion and moved to Bridgeport around 1940. He worked as a night clerk in Bridgeport's Barnum Hotel and died less than a decade later, largely unknown. He's buried in Bridgeport's Mountain Grove Cemetery, but he's not easy to find. For one thing, Vernon Dalhart wasn't his real name. Marion T. Slaughter, born 1883, died in 1948. Local musician Nick Novia learned about Dalhart from a friend a few years ago at a bluegrass festival. I went looking to a couple different cemeteries and I found him here. Marion Slaughter took the stage name of Vernon Dalhart by slapping together the names of two small Texas towns. Nick Novia thinks about how many people pass by this stone and don't know who Marion Slaughter was. Yeah, I think it's sad, but it's great that we know about it and then we can share it with everyone else. And I can come here and sing a song that he made famous. Oh, I wish I had someone to love me. Someone to call me their own. In 1981, Vernon Dalhart was finally recognized by the Country Music Hall of Fame as one of the first to introduce this genre to a national audience. Oh, please meet me tonight in the moonlight. Please meet me tonight all alone. There's so much more to the story. So Bill Malone, uh, the guy you heard from earlier, he wrote the definitive book on country music. Seriously, it's called Country Music USA. It's 50 years old. I keep an old copy by my bedside. We talked a lot about country music and about Vernon Dalhart's place in it. Well, there was virtually no country music at that time. He made his first uh, so-called country or hillbilly records in 1924, and there had been no recordings at all except for a couple of years. Uh, in 1922, an old-time fiddler from Texas named Eck Robertson recorded some songs. This is Eck Robertson's Arkansas Traveler. It's an instrumental fiddle piece that sometimes earns the distinction of being called the first recorded country song. It was a brand new field, and they didn't know what to call it. The term that caught on most frequently was hillbilly, and that's what the music was called when I was growing up, and I still like to think of the old-time music as being hillbilly. Vernon Dalhart lived in New York for several years and did all kinds of songs with only uh, indifferent success. And, he, and in 1924, he recorded the Prisoner's Song, which he claimed had been written by his cousin, Guy Massey, but of course nobody knows that for sure. Oh, I wish I had someone to love me, someone to call This question of authenticity has come up obviously in country music over the years. Well, you could tell he was trying to, to, to sound country. I think people could, could recognize that here was a trained classical singer who was tr trying to imitate the uh, Southern down-home speech. And a lot of people re resented him for that very reason. They thought he was just an outlander who was trying to 
exploit the music of somebody else's culture. Policeman caught me with a goose, tried to explain no doggone use, locked me in the calaboose, sold him cotton beans. But what he did to sort of talk down to the music in some respects, he also did quite a few songs very, very seriously with no affectation. Songs like The Little Green Valley. All night long in my dreams I see a spot far away. You listen to those, and he's, he's singing them straight. I think he's singing them with conviction, and I think people like them for that reason. Just Now, just a couple of years later, uh, you have... Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family. I mean, I can't help 27. it. I can't help but feel like Dal Hart might have kickstarted something there. Once he hit with some of those songs, then, then the recording business began looking for entertainers that they thought were more authentic. They thought that there, there might be a market out there for people who really di- didn't just pretend to be country, but who actually were country. And you mentioned Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family, they just uh, built very big followings. It was hard for Dal Hart to uh, compete with these new entertainers. Compared to them, he seemed artificial and uh, stilted and uh, a little bit condescending, perhaps. He spent a lot of his, his later life in such obscurity. I mean, he ended up working as a night clerk at a, a hotel. A country music musician never retired. <laughs> they just sort of fade, and they w- once they uh, lost their recording contracts, and most of them did pretty early, they just went back to, to doing what they uh, were trained to do. That, that they were carpenters and brick masons and coal miners and textile workers. What do you think that says about maybe the fleeting nature of fame or, or what happens with these people, that he was huge, I mean, and yet he died sort of, obscure. His songs endured and he influenced the, uh, the birth and the evolution of what became known as country music. What really drew me to Vernon Dalhart was that he was a southerner, like me, who ended up in Connecticut, like me. He also had to walk that line of authenticity. Remember, he, he also tried to be an opera singer. That's not a typical career choice for a Texas cowboy. But unlike Vernon Dalhart, my real name is nothing like Marion Slaughter. I'm actually Davis Donovan. And this is Off the Path from WSHU, where we bring you interesting little stories from New York to Boston. We're going to end with this 1924 classic from Vernon Dalhart and Gladys Rice, Till We Meet Again. There's a song in the land of the lily. Each sweetheart has her. 